What's up, everybody? My name is Mario, and this is Straight Out of Islington, an Arsenal podcast, or SOI pod. Thank you for listening. We truly appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day to listen to us banter a little bit about the mighty Arsenal. Check out our website at anchor.fm slash SOI pod, or check us out on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, or any of your favorite podcasting catcher apps. And now, enjoy the podcast. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another Straight Out of His LinkedIn podcast. My name is Mario, and of course, with me today, as always, is Ryan. Ryan, how are you, buddy? Well, I survived transfer deadline day. I did not get shifted to an unnamed club to move my wages, so I'm, I'm here to stay at least until January <laughs> and uh, ready to get back into full training and compete for my place on the pitch oh yeah of course there's no way how can they get rid of ryan are you kidding me he's a crucial part of the team here the part of the squad i've, I've been told i'm a fraud <laughs> uh, nicking a living things of that nature so oh man incredible so a bunch of things to talk about man uh some really interesting signings and some outings and uh interesting in the in in the way of like very exciting news um some very not so exciting news but um i just briefly want to say first of all happy belated birthday to you sir um thank you i i uh, i hope you it was a good one um i we have a little surprise in the podcast here at the afterwards that uh ryan I uh, got a, a special birthday present that was incredible. We'll just leave it at that. We'll let you guys just sit on that for a bit. So, yeah, happy happy birthday to you, Ryan. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Is that is that surprise going in at the on the front end or on the back end? So- uh, I don't know. I, I guess maybe uh, at the at the back end, just so people okay. can listen to the whole thing and then they can get so- it. So don't don't delete the pod until you listen to it. Yeah, is, is what we need to <laughs> exactly exactly. Got to keep okay. you got to keep them on the, on their toes. You know what I That's mean? That's right. Um, yeah. So I guess first order of business, uh, we'll get to all the transfer stuff in, in a little bit. I kind of want to just quickly touch a little bit on the Caribou Cup. It felt it feels like it was you know months ago. Um, I just want to give credit to uh, Leno, who was incredible that match. Um, I, I think that warrants, um, you know, some praise uh, for him after some not so good performance. Not, I'm not saying that they weren't great, but like he had some shaky buildups um, and that we're facing Man City in the next round. So, I mean, Ryan, quickly, what are your thoughts on, on all that? Well, it's always good to win the most prestigious competition that we're playing in and and to advance and progress as i mentioned in the previous pod which is of course the carabao cup uh <laughs> premier league pretty low in the priorities so the fact that we lost to liverpool in that competition hmm. kind of i mean you know it's, kind of, it's a nothing competition so clearly the the victory in the carabao cup um is massive it's gargantuan and uh <laughs> we we seem to have broken liverpool uh, as well since they then went on to lose seven to two in the next match. So, uh, Oof, you know, big, yeah. big, big things only for this club. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it's, it's incredible to see, um, that sort of like pick me up right from, from the last go around. So, uh, it, it was great to see that they bounced back, you know? So Wait. Yeah. 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 They, we played them first. Win in advance. Yes. In there advance. you go. Exactly. That's, that's what I was trying to get at. That's what I was trying to get. Anyways, don't 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 listen to me. Um, I just thought it was uh, it was pretty good uh, praise that we should mention that that win. Um, so I want to move on to the Sheffield match here, Ryan. Um, not like there's there's a bunch of things that I want to talk about uh, in terms of the match. Um, you know, team selection wise, the, I guess the big one was that Lacazette was missing from, from, from the starting, uh, 11, um, and Ketio came on in, instead. 
Um, what do you attribute that to? Is that just rest? It, because he has been playing well. So I don't think unless something happened that warranted him being benched, I don't know. Um, what What are your thoughts on that? Should Should people be worried about that? Uh, I think it's pretty consistent with what we saw last season when Arteta took over. I think you know, and Kedia started most. I don't know if most of the league matches, but he started a lot of the league matches where Lacazette was starting Europa League and, and Cups. Um, and so I think, I'm guessing he sees a little bit more from Enkedia maybe in activity, dropping deep and helping and build up. Um, of course, he, I don't think he was very effective or, or good on the day. Uh, he got hooked after 58 minutes, so uh, only one shot on target. It was kind of a, a weak glancing header at that. So, uh, I, I mean... I think that's a big concern is, is I don't think Enkedia is at the level to be starting at center forward for this club. Uh, if we want to reach the heights that we say we do, um, I'm not saying he's, he's a bad squad player. I just, I think, I think there are better options in that position. And we saw once he got taken off for Pepe, we saw Aubameyang go central. Um, we saw Saka move up to the left wing. Um, Pepe go out to the right and William kind of float in that number 10 kind of hybrid role in, in between midfield and forward line. So I, I think that's what I think is going to give us the best ability to, to create quality scoring chances and score goals. And, you know, we saw that a bit, at least for the two goals in the second half. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens after the international break. If, if that's a sign of things to come or if that's just a, you know, one off, we needed to change things up because we weren't getting any, anything going against Sheffield and that, uh, with that personnel, that, that formation and tactics. So I, I hope, I hope it's a sign of things to come, but we'll see, um, you know, with our next match against city. Yeah. Because I mean, um, Lacazette is staying now, so clearly he must have a place in the squad. And like you mentioned, the same thing I've been saying all along about Enketia is that, uh, I'm still on the fence with him. I mean, he could be he could be great. He's still a very young kid. Um, obviously, putting him into P- Premier League matches at, at a young age, right? Like, I mean, there are stars that you know flourish, but I just I didn't see it from him. Uh, he kind of reminds me a little bit of like Theo Walcott. Can't really dribble the ball. Can't handle the ball as much. I don't know if you see the same thing, but um, I mean, it's great that he's having a run out. But for me, Lacazette should be starting because he's in form. Uh, he has been scoring, so uh, it, it, I'm, I'm hoping that Lacazette now um, will be the main up-front guy with Obama Yang and Willian and maybe Pepe. I don't know. Pepe could potentially be in there now. So um, speaking of Pepe, he came in. He scored a goal. Um, is this what he needed to kickstart his season, possibly his Arsenal career? <laughs> Yeah, I thought it was interesting. The goal he took, and he was so involved in the buildup on the first goal was, yeah, I mean, that that is, if you look at, you know, people who followed him in France and just you watch his kind of compilation while playing for Lille, those are the type of goals he scored. He was running kind of on a counterattack, running at defenses, getting them on, on their back heels, uh, you know, and, and picking out that, you know, on the left foot, cutting inside and picking out that far corner. That that's where he thrives. Um, I, I did notice. I think he did pick up some more central positions and locations mm. instead of just h- kind of hugging the touchline and having to play wider. I think he is more effective when he's tucked in centrally with overlapping help and support coming from his outside. I think that's where he can, as that is most dangerous. And of course, in transition, if he's running out of central defender like that, that's that's where he can really thrive. So. Um, the question is, is that something that, again, we're going to see going forward is kind of playing not really a wide right forward, but more of a kind of a tandem with Aubameyang is almost like a 4-4-2 you know, almost and and getting into those central channels and having Willian and, and Hector kind of provide the width on the right. I think, I think that's where we will get the best of him. But um, again, it remains to be seen if that's just an anomaly, just a a flash in the pan we've, we've seen from him or is he going to get, get those starts, get those chances and be allowed to, 
you know, given the opportunity to have that that run in the, in the starting eleven and, and given the minutes needed to show if he, he's going to be the you know main talisman um, in this lineup. Yeah, and like I'm I'm hoping I'm hoping that he picks it up and and he can give Arteta now a, a kind of. A, a really good headache in terms of who to start. Willian mm-hmm. in the last couple of matches hasn't been um, as effective as the first match. But then again, you know, new team, new system. I get it. Um, it'll probably take some time for him to adjust. But I mean, he's been in the Premier League for so many years. So um, I- I'm not writing him off by any means. Uh, but it does give Arteta a headache in terms of, uh, you know, if Pepe maybe should get a start uh, and give Willian a... a um, a break. Maybe this is what Pepe needed, you know, obviously a confidence boost with the goal. So it'll be interesting to see um, how Arteta lines them up. Um, but not, not also like, let's go back to like the Saka goal. Like the Saka goal was, uh, was pretty well taken as well. Were you at all, like we're going through the first 45 minutes, very lackluster, you know, not really playing well, kind of like last season where um, Arsenal would not, take the points of uh when, when they're playing lesser teams so to speak did you have any worry like i mean as much possession as arsenal had they weren't creating too many chances and then obviously they you know <laughs> relief came in in the second half when finally saka scored and then pepe and sort of cruising um did you worry at all that maybe they're they weren't gonna pick up points maximum points yeah, because you saw this similar kind of lackluster, lackadaisical tempo while in possession. They dominated possession and, and were controlling midfield, but there was really no thrust or, or purpose with possession. And I think this this is something I fit. I don't want to know if it's a criticism on Arteta. Definitely it's a limitation with, with, with playing personnel, but almost cautious because of I don't think is he lacks trust in the back line and in the midfield personnel. And of course that's now changing with, with the transfer window um, dealings. But um, so I think he, he wants to, he wants to not lose these matches as opposed to going out and just outright dominating and winning them. But I think, I think that's, I think that's a, and again, I'm not speaking for Arteta. I'm trying to, I'm trying to understand based on his, his team selection, his tactics. I, I think that's what, it, you know, can we, can we win these games one nil, two nil, limit their chances and, you know, just kind of have a structure, have a solid shape behind and then hopefully create enough chances and we let the likes of Aubameyang, Lacazette, Pepe, William create just enough to get, get a goal or two and, and get the result. And I think that's, that's fair, but I also think it shows when you, are the aggressor when you actually get bodies forward, you get midfield runners entering the box, you put these teams under pressure, you make them actually defend. They're not very good. Mm -hmm. Um, They break down. They can't do it for 90 minutes. You put them under pressure. I'm sorry. All due respect to Sheffield United, you know, the likes of Enda Stevens and Jack Robinson and John Egan and Baldock and Ben Osborne. Look, Credit to where they've gotten. They're in the Premier League. They had a great season last year. These guys shouldn't be competing again against the likes of the, the caliber of Arsenal's player. Even though, even though we're not at the level we, we need to be. Right. Um, and you saw it when you when you turn it up a bit, you get you know Mohamed El Neni. He, he's he's by no means such Fabregas, but <laughs> just by him him saying I'm going to now make a forward run. It puts pressure under on these defenders to now. Now they have to just mark him. He's not. It doesn't mean he has to hit a golasso from thirty yards out. Right. But he he creates another body that the defenders have to recognize. That opens up the space for Aubameyang, for Bellerin who's overlapping, and now Saka coming in on the back post because they're looking at all these bodies. When you don't, when you're playing it safe, conservative, and the, the midfielders are just exchanging passes at, at the halfway line and back to the defense. Well. All, all the opposition has to do is kind of shift, move over, drop in two banks of four. It's easy to defend. Mm. When you risk a little bit and get guys forward in the box, you're going to create chances. You're going to score goals. Goals win games. Um, again, you see, you saw for Villa against Liverpool. You saw for Tottenham against United. There's not that many elite, outright elite defenders in this league mm-hmm. uh, on any team. 
you put them under pressure with the attacking skill that, that the modern day footballer has, it's just, it's very hard to defend and stop them from creating good school, goal scoring opportunities. Um, so you have to have a little more, uh, you know, ingenuity and, and bravery in a sense, and just let these guys get forward. And yeah, it's going to open you up a bit and maybe concede and you create, you know, you, you allow a few more chances than you would if you were just more structured, but again, goals win games, goals win titles, we are our, our attacking output for the season is, is putrid. I think we're second bottom in total shots on goal. Um, we got, I mean, we got outshot this game, I believe total shots seven to six. Mm-hmm. And that was against uh, an absolutely putrid and woeful attacking side in Sheffield United. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so like that, that's, I mean, yes, we won the match and that is good. Three points are, are great. The underlying numbers are really, really awful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that, that's been a trend in the start of the season. So um, that, that needs to change. Otherwise we won't, you know, we're, we're outperforming our, our XG, our chances create all that we're outperforming that right now based on our results. So um, something has to change for, for these results to remain as they are. Um, otherwise we'll, you know, like we did last season, we'll fall back to the mean We'll drop points because goals win games, and we're not we're not scoring them. We're creating chances right now in in enough numbers to justify keeping our same tactics and formation the way they have been. Yeah, and I mean it is concerning that you're like you're mentioning, right? We're not scoring a lot of goals. I mean, Obama Yang was a beast last season. Um, at the beginning of this season, you know, but like this is what the second or third game without him scoring. Um, it's start. It, it, are you like? It's getting kind of concerning because I mean, at the end, Sheffield was once again putting the pressure on Arsenal because for whatever reason, Arsenal likes to sit back and they got a late goal and they possibly could have had mm-hmm. the tying goal. So, like, it is kind of concerning, right? That Aubameyang, your your top goal scorer, is not producing. Yeah, well, and he's and he's not. Again, look, look where his touches are. Look where his his services when he's playing out left. His touches are out by the byline, out on the wing. He's got to, you know, we don't have enough middle penetration, lack of a better phrase, <laughs> to to get him in those positions where he's receiving receiving the ball in the opposition penalty box. We've seen when he does that, he's able he's going to score goals. But when he when he's when he's you know playing out on the left and there's no numbers to support him getting forward. What's he going to do with it? He's either going to put a cross in, try and cut in on the right. You know, he had that shot from distance uh, that forced the save after mm-hmm. the turnover. Um, you know, that was in transition. He had that uh, overhead attempt that was, you know, straight at the keeper, um, kind of in transition as well. Or you know, but but not, nothing directly in build up that gets our best player, get our best goal scorer in those positions to to score. So that. Yeah, that we're not playing to his strengths. Um, now, when he made the change, I was going to say that. Yeah, I was going to ask you. Yeah, he you was that. central, and that that that's where he needs to be. Um, I don't think we're going to get to where we need to get with Lacazette through the middle and him on the left. I think again, we're 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 taking our best player, trying to make him work, trying to make it work outside to accommodate a player who isn't exactly generating these these massive output in shots and chances created goals scored so so why are you, why are we doing why are we continuing to do that yeah because i mean he did he like and ketia left pepe came on in the 58th minute obama moves into the middle so he had quite a bit of the match to play through the middle but i kind of started seeing him drift out wide like is it because he's just used to playing in that role now <laughs> and like I, well, I, I mean, the first the first goal, he was dead center, right? El Nene gives him the ball. He he first time plays it around the corner to Bellerin, and, and then the cross comes in, and Saka scores the goal. So that that's a direct, you know, result of him moving central. Uh, that's not to say Lacazette or Nkedia couldn't have made that same play, but you know, Aubameyang made the play, so that's how we have to analyze it. Yeah, um, I think he. Shaded a little bit left after that, after the second goal, for sure. We were, again, I think, trying to just kind of see the game out, have some sterile possession, and, and 
keep keep you know keep possession and I think again Pepe drifted a little centrally. Willian was a number ten, so he kind of took up a central position as well. Um, but yeah, I think at that point we we have to you know we shouldn't settle for two nil. I think that's okay. We know again defensively there are some some soft points there. Listen, the goal they scored bit of a worldie. He's probably not going to score a goal like that again this season, right? <laughs> but again, it's just the the mentality: just sit off, sit off, sit off. Well. Uh, he's a Premier League player. Okay, obviously you can do that. You give him the give him the shot from twenty two yards out. You know, there's other guys in the league who can do that more regularly. So I think the mentality is a two nil. You know, go get a third. Yeah. You know, step on these guys' throats. Like they just conceded two in about seven minutes. A third is there, and we had the possession, mm-hmm. but we were, you know, we we felt like two nil was enough, and it, in the end it was, but. This, these are the moments where go get a third, go get a fourth. If you can see one, two, I, I'm fine with that. But but we have to be more aggressive and intimidating on the attacking end. I, we know we know our midfield and our defense. It's not our strong points. Mm-hmm. We're not we're not set up to win games one nil. You know, and ride that to a title. It's, that's just not who we are. So let's let's be a little more adventurous. Let's be a little more assertive and a little more also trustworthy, you know, in our attacking output. And I think, um, I think that's gotta be the way forward for me. Now, Ceballos earned his start, um, you know, this, this, uh, for the season. Um, obviously he was playing well coming off the bench and whatnot. Did he live up to the expectation of getting a starting role in, in, in the, uh, starting eleven? I think he did. I mean, I think he, he again, uh, compared him to El Nene in general, he's, he's seeking the ball. He's, he's picking his head up. He's looking for that forward line breaking pass, whereas El Nene is trying to keep it safe, just move it, keep it, keep things ticking. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think games like this where we had bulk of the possession and teams were sitting off. Uh, I mean, any midfielder is going to look pretty good because they're not getting pressed. They, they, going to have a high, you know, passing percentage. Um, but I do think he, uh, he adds that, that impetus and that drive forward um, where he wants, he wants the ball and he wants to pick it up and, and drive forward with it. Doesn't have to be just a shifted sideways or backwards pass or always playing the safe pass. He's going to, you know, take some risks. I think we need that. I think we, we have to have that um, again, putting, we have to put, we have to try to put more pressure on defenses, not just try to mitigate risk by, by playing it safe and hoping, you know, we win every match one nil. That's not that for me, that's not the way forward. Yeah. And, and, uh, like I, I thought he was okay. Um, there was a couple of misplaced passing here and there. Um, but overall, like you need, who are you going to have? That's very creative. That's going to take the ball from the back all the way to the front. I mean, you need that. And Ceballos is obviously the guy right now, unless, you know, for some miraculous reason, he brings in Ozil, but I mean, I don't, you can't even see, you you can't even see Ozil's face on the bench, like near the bench at all right now. So um, I I think Ceballos should start. um, But, uh, but overall, you know, very great, uh, play by Arsenal against Sheffield United. We needed this win because obviously uh, there's an international break, but then we play Man City um, next, right? Which is uh, an- another test for Arsenal. Um, but they've been doing pretty crappy, you know. They lo- they tied Leeds, um, and uh, Leeds have been playing well. So what we shall see. Never write off anything, but uh, you know, Arsenal against top four opposition always tails tucked tucked between their legs and they don't play as as rough as they should but um we shall see we shall see how they how they play um and the reason why i i i said you know that i think um Ceballos should start uh i wanted to talk to you moving on to the obviously the the big signings because that's probably something that i really want to discuss um obviously thomas Partey coming in from atletico madrid i honestly i was not paying attention to any transfers yesterday um my friends were going crazy um with you know man united going crazy with signings for you know unknown people that i don't know so to me they're unknowns clear <laughs> but i'm just one person anyways um 
to me, this was left field. This came out of left field, considering the fact that Arsenal were not in for RR, whatever his name is, buddy boy from Leon. Um, firstly, I didn't know that the deal was done. Like the deal was off. Like, was it because Arsenal pulled away? Was it because Leon pulled away? Firstly, I just want to get. I I don't know if you knew any about that. Anything? About yeah, that? I mean the the different different reports, but some reports saying he wanted to stay. He wasn't sure about leaving oh, Leon okay. quite yet. I mean, it's his boy at club. He's a captain. Uh, and he just played in the Champions League semifinals. So I mean, not exactly a desperate situation for him to want to leave. Okay. Right. Um, it's also reports that Edu. And Juninho, who's Leon's sporting director, their their pals, they were trying to do the deal. But I think everyone in football knows that Leon, their their owner, uh, Alas, he he's the one who you have to talk to. And oh, I think okay. he may have gotten fed up that they were trying to not cut him out, but basically not involve him. And he's 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 the one who holds the purse string. So he you know he may have stepped up and said, hey, listen, listen, boys, I know you guys are new to this whole football thing, but, uh, you know, look I'm at me, man. I, I'm the captain now. <laughs> you, you want to, you want to, you want to deal with anyone on Leon? You better, you better call oh, me, okay. not, not, not my employee, so to speak. So, um, yeah, so I, I don't know if it was a player choice. It was, Le- I mean, it, again, this goes back to so many variables have to have to come in alignment for a transfer to happen. So it's like, I saw so many takes like, how could we spend 50 million on party when 50 million was there for OR? Why would you not buy a 22 year old instead of buying a 27 year old? And it's like, you don't, this isn't FIFA. You don't just say, <laughs> I want to buy this player. Here's the money. Okay. Now he's your player. If the player doesn't want to come, if the agent is involved and he's, he's throwing, you know, spammer in the works, the club's owner, the selling club's owner, they doesn't want to sell or he wants too much money. We don't know. Um, chances are one of those things were true mm-hmm. and that put the deal off. And okay. so I think the interest in party was, was, has always been there. So is the interest in OR. I don't think we are ever going to get both of them because we don't have 110 million pounds to spend on, on midfielders. But as soon as the OR deal was off, I think that was probably the indicator that, okay, we have to go get party because that's, that's the only option at this point. I think they were both there to be had. Mm. And once one did present itself as, as undoable, okay, now, you know, you have to have your, I don't even know it's a contingency, but 1A, 1B, mm-hmm. I don't even know which one is which. But, um, you know, reports are clear that Arsenal liked Partey for a while. This wasn't a mm-hmm. kind of a desperate last minute. Um, they, you know, have been scouting them since 2015. And there were talks back in 2018, 2019 for his signature. So, Definitely something that that's been in the works. A uh, player they've liked for a long time. Um, I think he, from a statistical and physical profile in terms of what we need, I think he absolutely fits the bill. Mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of fans on Twitter are, are completely apoplectic that he's 27. How can we pay this amount of money for a 27 year old? And what's that going to look like when he's 31? And oh my God, we're paying him how much per week? And the question I always ask myself when we sign a player, not, not to say money doesn't matter. Of course it does, especially if you're dealing with Arsenal and our financial situation. But more than anything, does the player we've just signed improve us as a football club on the pitch? Yes or no? The answer is is undoubtedly yes, right? If you, if you are, are building your starting 11 for Man City right now, does, does Thomas Partey come straight in as a midfielder? I was going to ask you that. Yes. I mean, yes. <laughs> yes, he does. Um, this man statistically, if you, I think in Champions League last year, he led in a whole bunch of slew of categories in, in, in tackles and in duels won, interceptions, um, you know, a number of passing categories. He's not just a, a destroyer, a Coughlin type. He's a, he's a progressive ball carrier, ball distributor. Um, plays number ten, I think, for his for his country. So he's 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 very comfortable in an advanced role. Mm. Um, does cover a ton of ground. Um, is is that type of player who can receive the ball in tight spaces and not just immediately have to pass it back, a la a Granit Xhaka or Mohamed El Nene. So he's got a bit of that Ceballos where he he he's okay with 
playing under pressure and, and playing forward out of it, not just playing, you know, around it or back. So that, that, that's, that's going to be a huge, um, upgrade, I think immediately. So I'm leading so towards, that, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, no. So I, again, in the end, that's how I think we should analyze transfers is does he help the team day one? The, the answer is yes. Now you can make the argument that spending 50 million on a 27 year old is a risky endeavor. There's no question. I don't think anyone would really argue that um, he can't miss. We, you know, we can't really miss with this. So if it, you know, I, again, looking at his profile, I think it's hard to argue that whatever happens with him, it's going to be a miss because the other solutions are basically Granit Xhaka, Mohamed El Nene, <laughs> Joe, Joe Willick. Yeah. So if you don't think Thomas Partey is an upgrade on those options, well, mm-hmm. I, you know, I agree to disagree at that point. So I, again, let's not worry about when he's 29 or 30. Let's worry about the now. I, I want to know, does, does he help us improve and make us a better team? You know, October 7th, 2020, and the answer is yes. Did, but didn't we also sign Obama Yang in his late 20s? Yeah, we signed him at, what, 27? I think, 20, I think the same age. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, and look how he turned out. So, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. both, both yeah. quality players. So, I'm leaning towards the fact that you're satisfied with this signing? I am. I am very satisfied. Um, again, I think it addresses a, a desperate need. Um, I think it... it I, I w- I've talked about for the past few years now arsenal has have lacked runners and athletes as well as technicians and i think he's all of those three things i think he's a technician i think he's a he's a fantastic athlete a fantastic runner um i lo- what i love about him is are his his bursts mm-hmm. under pressure um he almost welcomes pressure you see him receiving the ball he'll he'll burst with a touch or burst with a a faint and run out of that pressure instead of instead of avoid it. So he almost welcomes that. Um, that's something again. Say what you want about Jaka and Elnene, and they they have their strengths. There's no question. Their limitations are not something you can teach or have them grow from. Those limitations are cemented in place. Um, his strengths, I think, completely counteract those those players' weaknesses. So I think there in itself is is a massive upgrade yeah. immediately. Yeah, he looks very strong. I mean, definitely more stronger than El Nene and and Jaka. So it should be interesting. Um, you know, I say it should be interesting so many times. It's so dumb. Uh, but like, now we were talking uh, last week, um, Lucas Torreira, the only way that we would get either Thomas Partey or um our or is if we sold him but we loaned him with an option to buy so did our, our did arsenal clearly had the funds for one of those players yeah so i think what again i've been critical of arsenal's dealings both incomings outgoings on how they've approached you know there there there's tactics on the field and they're absolutely tactics you know at the boardroom level and dealing with these negotiations so i think they they've they've actually pulled something off it's pretty brilliant. And, and I think credit needs to be given to, you know, Edu and, and Huss Fanny and Vinai, those guys who were, who were, you know, doing these, uh, these negotiations and, and movements in the back room. So I think what they wanted to do is, all right, we'll give you, we'll give you Lucas, you give us Thomas in return and we'll pay you a fee, right? Let's call it, I don't know, 20 million plus Lucas Torreira party comes to, to Arsenal. And Atletico said, no, we don't, we don't want to sell, we don't want to sell Thomas. We want Lucas in addition to having Thomas mm. in our side. So Arsenal said, okay, all right, well, um, you know, we'll, we'll give you Lucas on loan if you don't want to buy him outright, because we need to, we need to shift him. He doesn't want to be here. We, you know, we, that, that's a deal that makes sense. And what they realized is in Spain, if a player has a release clause, you don't have, you don't actually pay the release clause to the team. You pay it to La Liga, mm. so so remember it when Arsenal paid for Luis Suarez's release clause from Liverpool, right? And Liverpool just said like, "Oh, here here's a release clause. Take us to court. What are you going to do?" And Arsenal were like, um, "Well, but no, you s- said release clause, and therefore we're supposed to release him." And they just said, "Fuck you. We're not releasing him. Like, what are you going to do? Take us to wow. court? Fine." 
we'll sit in court for nine months. And meanwhile, the player is still going to play for us. You're no, that doesn't, that's a lose, lose for everyone. So in Spain, you don't need to involve the team. So Arsenal said, all right, Hey, Atletico, you know what? We try to negotiate with you. We try to offer you Lucas and some cash in exchange for Thomas. And you mugged us off. He said, no, we don't want to do that. All right. Well, we're just going to pay the release clause with 30 minutes to go before the window closes and too fucking bad. There's nothing you can do about it. That's crazy. And, and so that was the reports is they were furious that Arsenal did that. And my comment to be, they did nothing wrong. <laughs> they, that's being savvy. That's being bold. They wanted a player. They try to do it, you know, a more economical way. The first go around, they they refuse that. So, you know, so, so the best part about it is La Liga informs Atletico that the player is gone. Holy. <laughs> that, that Atletico didn't even know, you know, didn't hear from Arsenal, they didn't hear from the player because legally you didn't have to. That That's the way the rules are set up in the league. So they, they've Arsenal followed the, le- the letter of the law and paid it to the league. And then they formed him. Yep, the player is now gone. He's an Arsenal player. Wow. And they were pissed off because they didn't have a, now they didn't have a player to replace Thomas, even though Lucas was supposed to be the guy to play with Thomas. And so credit to Arsenal's staff for recognizing that. I mean, yeah, they didn't want to spend the $50 million, right? If you can get a player that you like for less than the absolute maximum, of, of course, course you're going to try and do that. You know, that, that's that's what makes the most economic sense. But in past windows, I think they would have not bought the player at all. But they said, you know what? This is a player we want, we like, he improves us. Let's spend the money, even if it's, 10, 15 million more than we ideally would want to. We need this guy to get to where we need to be going forward. So credit to them and credit to getting the deal done. That's crazy. And you know, that that's that's what you that's what you want as as a supporter. You want your director of football, your backroom staff to be willing and able to make those kind of decisions, those kind of deals, uh, to to, you know, seal the deal and get it get it over the line. So Fair play to them. So in reality, this was a blind side for Atletico. <laughs> oh, a hundred percent. Because they, yeah, they they thought, listen, if they if they want Thomas, they would just pay the release clause, you know, back in August or whatever. You yeah. know, which, you know, you could you could use that as a criticism of Arsenal if you wanted the player. You could have just, just pay the release clause. But listen, every, again, in this current economic situation, even more so, we need to try and find deals and and get bargains if possible. Now turns out uh, that that wasn't, you know, wasn't possible. So, um, they, they, yeah, it's completely blindsided. I'd let to go. That's crazy. And, <laughs> but Hey, don't, don't put a release clause in if you don't want somebody to, to pay it. Simple that, as that. That's a crazy, crazy loophole. So the Liga just basically said, well, I want the money, so I'm going to take it. That's basically it. Well, it, not even that's, that's the law. That's the law. That's the legal standing That's... of that of that release clause the the, the the release clause is registered with the league itself so it'd be like if you know uh sadio mane had a release clause but the release clause is with the premier league and not liverpool and let's say real madrid said premier league here's 100 million dollars for sadio mane he's gone like liverpool they wouldn't have a say in it they would just he would legally be released to Real Madrid based off that clause in the in the language of, Holy of the law. So, so so yeah, we we pay the league and then the league then pays Atletico Madrid. Oh, I was so gonna say, yeah, did they lose money then? They're ba- no no no. They're basically they're basically just uh, you the, know the broker. Yeah, they're they're broker. They don't take a fee, of course. But that's just that way. I, and I think it's actually a smart. It protects the players' um, well being in that instance because. It doesn't. It prevents a situation like we did with Liverpool and Suarez, where the team just says, "What are you going to do? Sue us?" Hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, here, yeah, you pay the release clause. Uh, we don't care. We're not. We're not releasing him. What are you going to do? And the other team's like, "But you did. You were supposed <laughs> to release him. Why aren't you playing nice?" So this this takes all of that kind of nefarious, potentially disingenuous uh, dealings out of the, out of the equation, and just the league just says, "Oh, oh." Money, yep. Here's the money, fifty million. Bloop, bloop, bloop. We'll we'll direct deposit into the Atletico Madrid direct deposit account. 
here you go. And they get a, you know, it's like you get an email that you, you received a PayPal or a Venmo. It's like, they, so Atletico Madrid is looking at their email, just going along 30 minutes to go. And what's this from La Liga headquarters <laughs> deposited 50 million re Thomas party. What the fuck? And oh so, my God. But, hey, those are the rules. I mean, so, so you know, Hey, that's that's the way it goes. Could there be a potential that Thomas may have not even wanted to leave Atletico, or do you, do you no, think? No, I I I mean I think all so Arsenal would have been in discussions as they they were you know with previous him. years even with his with his agent and and with the player himself they they would have obviously sounded out of hey if we activate the release clause would you come here are the here are the terms you want weekly wages agent fees, signing on fees, bonuses. If we do this, you're, you're okay with us. Right. And the player would have said, yes, yes. absolutely. Cause okay. they're not going to do that. And then have a player be like, yo, I didn't want to come play here. What? Yeah. Cause that again, then, then you're creating a whole new set of problems. So yeah, that, that would have all been hashed out beforehand. Perfect. And then the, then the release clause just is the, the formality at that point. Good deal. Good deal. Done, done deal. How does he fit into this team now? Like what, what is the dynamic changing? Uh, in terms of the, um, the the formation, is is this the player that will allow Arteta to, to change tactics? That's that's a big question. Um, were again, was he persisting with a back three and kind of a safe structured uh, platform because he didn't have the type of midfielders and or defenders? that he needed to, to kind of unleash it and then play a little more free flowing and, and on the front foot, mm-hmm. or is he, is Thomas going to be just another guy to provide more of that structure and a little more, little more flexibility within that same system that that's going to remain to be seen as we come back from international break. I, I hope, and I think based off the player profile and everything else that he's going to be, shifting to a three-man midfield that includes Thomas and that allows us to to play further up the pitch and play a little more aggressively uh, on the attacking front. Who do you play with him in the midfield? I mean, I think you play... Uh, uh, I mean, obviously the options are, are plentiful because <laughs> Torreira's gone, Guendouzi's gone, uh, but it's either going to be, you know, if, if it's a three-man midfield, I think you can play... I, I think Ceballos has got to be a second midfielder and then maybe it's maybe it's Elneny maybe it's Shaka maybe maybe Shaka now sits at the base kind of can dictate from the back kind of be a third center back if you will in possession Mm -hmm. and then Thomas and Ceballos can come a little forward and and have that dynamism working in between the lines Um, or if it's still a two-man midfield I think I think the answer is Thomas and and Ceballos Uh, gives us the most balance gives us the most um, dynamic ability, both in attack and defense. But again, ho- I'm hoping for a three-man infield, but we'll we'll see. Uh, you know, in a couple weeks. And you're definitely and you're definitely put him in against Man City in two weeks. Yeah, I mean, I, I think so. I mean, again, the international break not ideal. Again, there's also the COVID measures. Uh, yeah. How does that look? He, where depending where they're playing and and you know entering the country, of course, mm-hmm. obviously he's going to be tested. And I don't know if, if there's He's going to have a mandatory quarantine period, so maybe that impacts it. So maybe you know all that. I think we'll we'll hear yeah. more about as as the time comes. So you know if maybe he doesn't play straight away because of that. But uh, you know again, thinking uh, again, fixtures are coming thick and fast. We've got Europa League group stages starting yep. um, on the twenty second, so there'll be no shortage of opportunities to to, to bring display. In. Yeah, hundred percent. Perfect. Quickly, I wanted to speak about the art, uh, the outings. Um, you got Lucas Torreira, Mateo obviously gone, probably won't play for Arsenal ever again. Um, Martinez gone, Smith, Mavropanos, uh, Koi, and then a, a bunch of other little kids that I've never heard of before in my life. Um, <laughs> were you, uh, is there's still a lot of players, uh, first team players uh, such as um you know Socrates and and uh, Kalasanach and you know Ozil um do you think or 
are you satisfied with the amount of outings? Would you have liked to have seen more? I know, I know how much of a big fan you are of Kalasanach, so he's <laughs> he's staying. Um, yeah, I think that's surprising in a sense, just because I think those players wanted to leave. I mean, I don't know if they wanted to leave more than I think they want to be playing first team football. Of course, um, I think so- there was reports Socrates. Maybe he was going to go to Roma, then maybe PSG came in. These are all loans, which doesn't, you know, again, you don't know the terms. Where Arsenal still maybe try, having to pay some of the wages. Um, were they having to pay all the wages? Again, you didn't see a lot of teams looking to pay for permanent transfers, right? No one has any earned revenue this year. So a lot of loans to be done, but not a lot of teams looking to pick up, you know, huge wage packets, which all these players have. So in that sense, it's not a surprise that these deals didn't happen because nobody wants to pay 130000 a week for Kolasinac or Socrates. Um, certainly not for Ozil's wage packet. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of one of those that that's the downside when you pay either below par or aged players. You are now the only team, mm-hmm. essentially, who's going to have the ability to pay them what they're earning. So you, that's the risk you take when you sign him in the first place. Yeah, Socrates didn't even want to go to Fulham, I think. Fulham were in for him, and the guy flat out refused. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't want to go to Fulham either. If I, <laughs> that, that doesn't seem like any any fun uh, by any means. Well, they're just going to have fun on the bench, I think, right? Unless, Well, unless we have injuries, because we all know how Arsenal love to get injured um, during the festive season. So... You know, hopefully, maybe they might play a role, and who knows? Um, yeah. Quickly, I wanted to talk to you about also um, just before we leave some crazy results, dude. Um, Liverpool losing to Aston Villa seven two. Where the hell did that come from? Like that was yeah. crazy. Yeah, I mean the the scoreline obviously is pretty shocking, but it, we kind of touched upon it last weekend mm-hmm. or last week when talking about our result against Liverpool is that if you put these teams under pressure and you force them to defend and, and you, you play balls in behind, of course, a lot of those, you know, I think three deflected goals and, and a lot, just a lot of good fortune to, to play those balls in behind and have the runners and all that. But that was the game plan. That was Villa's game plan was to like, wait a second here. We we've all anointed the Liverpool back line is this, this un, touchable force of nature that cannot be defeated. So we must just bow to them and, 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 and lay on and not even test, not even insult them by trying to, to play attacking football, because that, that is just, you know, the narrative just does not align with that. Say, hold on. Trent Alexander Arnold, still like a 21 year old kid, Andy Robertson. Okay. Good fullback going forward. I don't know how good these guys are going backwards. Right. Joe Gomez, same Van Dyke. Van Dyke's great. But like, again, defending highly skilled footballers is very hard to do. It doesn't matter (laughs) if you're the it doesn't matter if you're the best defender in the world. It's an extremely hard skill to to do at a consistent basis. Mm -hmm. So Villa's like, you know, let's actually let's test these guys. Let's play these guys a little bit. And I don't know, we might give up three or four, but, you know, we're not going to beat them by sitting back and parking the bus anyways. We know that. So what the hell? Let's go for it, and and they they pulled it off. They you know they it was it, it was an it was an anomaly to score seven, right? But I mean they they're, the game the game plan worked, and again just like Leicester did a few weeks ago against City, and, and Leeds kind of did against City as well mm-hmm. in their draw. It's not surprising because they 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 put the pressure on City to to defend, and for the most part they didn't do it. I mean I think Leeds probably should have won that game. So. Um, Again, which which is frustrating when Arsenal doesn't do that because it's like these teams we're playing against, they're not very good defensively. They don't have very good individual defenders. So when you make them individually defend, I think there can be goals. Uh, and Villa proved that. Tottenham proved that against United. United, the defenders aren't very good. They're not good. <laughs> they're terrible. They're terrible. When you you know when you when you actually make them have to defend consistently and put them under pressure, they they don't fare well. They so, even fight each other uh, for the ball. 
yeah, they they foul each other. Yeah, exactly. So at least so, at least right now, like another season, uh, still claiming that undefeated trophy. Come on now, Everton yep. and Aston Villa, who are at the top of the at the top of the league, uh, with with no uh, with no losses, they're they're bound to have a loss. So. Uh, I don't know. It's crazy. It's a crazy year, twenty twenty. Everton on top of the table. <laughs> Liverpool losing seven two. Trump Trump's down three to one to COVID. And it's crazy. It's a crazy year. Who, who knows? Yeah. Who, who knows what's gonna happen? Who knows? Hey man, Everton might go out undefeated. Uh, we don't know. Um, yeah. But uh, but that's all I have uh, for today, Ryan. Um, it, it was awesome, dude. We're having a party, and uh, can't wait to see what this guy can do in the midfield. Hopefully, um, you know, Pepe gets his jump start and we can get him going. Hopefully Obama Yang can get back in it in the hobby horse here and friggin' start scoring goals. And, and, you know, Lacazette as always, I hope he doesn't have that Ozil face that I, I always hated. Uh, he always looks disinterested and he always looks pissed off. So uh, I'm hoping that we can. One, one thing Ozil's not disinterested in is, Gunnosaurus Cover, covering the wages of Gunnosaurus. So. I love Th- that. Thank you, thank you, Mezid Habibi, for not only doing that, which is a great gesture. It is, but bo- boiling the absolute piss out of so many people on Twitter who are who are so cynical and and think think it's just a PR move, which part of it is obviously, but <laughs> also Arsenal as a football club, absolute clowns for doing that in the first place. And, and creating the own goal that they did and just opening the door for Habibi Mezid to just slide <laughs> right in. I mean, he, he's a, he's a brilliant PR guru, if, if nothing else at this point of his career. So, but aren't other got, teams love, letting go? To see it. Aren't other What's teams that? letting go other mascots? I, you wouldn't know. I mean, if they are, because you know, they, they no, nobody does negative PR like Arsenal. Right. So um, you gotta love them. You gotta love our yeah. boys. Um, anyways, Ryan, uh, that's all the time we have, uh, for today. Happy birthday once again. Uh, thank you very much for coming on the podcast as always. And, uh, yeah, we will, I don't know, maybe do something cool next week on the podcast. Maybe invite some of my, uh, top four friends and just have a good old banter. I one's a Man United fan, my brother, a Tottenham fan, uh, and the other one is a Chelsea fan. So maybe we can, uh, we can all have a good little banter, um, of course, Ryan, you're always welcome to come in and uh, banter away. That's that's my specialty. I love it. Well, Ryan, thank you very much for being on the podcast, guys. Thank you for listening. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. And have an awesome rest of the week. Peace. Hi, Ryan. It's Tony Adams, mate. Former England Arsenal, yeah, couple of you gunners, 2020 FA Cup winners, yeah, start winning trophies again, keeping clean sheets, yeah, come on you gunners, ooh to, ooh to be, ooh to be a good, I'm sorry, sorry mate, I just went a bit mad then, um, Ryan, your family love ya, and uh, Michael's actually been in touch and tells me it's your birthday, so happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday dear Ryan, who's a massive gooner, lifelong Arsenal supporter, I love you from Mr Arsenal, happy birthday to you, come on you Reds. Ryan, have a fantastic birthday pal, Uh, Really appreciate all the support um, down the years. Uh, Stay safe uh, and up the gunners. Come on, you Reds.